Today on Know the Truth from Philip DeCourcy. Paul calls us to be filled with the Spirit of God. It's a matter of obedience. It's a matter of obligation that you come under the control of the Holy Spirit. And that's the challenge, folks, to you and to me. You and I ought to, on a day-by-day basis, to be under the control, influence, direction, and domination of the Spirit of God. It's possible that most days go by without giving much thought to the Holy Spirit. But today on Know the Truth, we'll find out just how important it is to depend on Him through our day. Whether we're studying God's Word, spending time at the workplace, or simply dropping our kids off at school, being filled with the Spirit is not only a benefit to our daily lives, it's essential for living a life that's pleasing to God. Today's message is titled, Filled with Spirits or the Spirit? And you'll find helpful resources on this topic at ktt.org. Now, here's Philip DeCourcy. The church has always been a people of two books, the hymnal and the Bible. And it's a wonderful thing when we're able to tie our songs and our sermons together. But that necessitates the pastor and the song leader working together. I was tempted to tell a story in our sermon on alcohol about the uh, prohibitionist preacher who worked himself into a real lather about the whole issue of alcohol abuse. And uh, he got going in the, towards the end of his sermon. He said, you know what? If I could take all the beer in the world, he was a country preacher, not far from a creek. He said, if I could take all the beer in the world, he said, I would chuck it in the river. And everybody said, amen. Encouraged by that, he said, and if I could get all the whiskey in the world, he said, I would chuck it in the river. And he got another rising amen. And he said, if I could get all the brandy and the rum, I'd chuck it in the river. May God save us from alcohol. He finished the sermon, the song leaguered up and said, could we turn in our hymnals to 555 and stand to sing, shall we gather at the river? (laughs) So you always gotta be careful. You gotta get that song and that sermon in sync or you're in trouble. One of the great verses on this issue, and we have touched on it, is... um, Be not drunk with wine wherein is access, but be filled with the Spirit. I want to speak to you on the subject of filled with spirits or the Spirit. And so take your Bible and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Whatever our opinion or whatever our conviction about drinking wine, you and I as a body of believers must be unanimous in our conviction that we must be filled with the Spirit. And so I want to spend some time just talking to you about that. Let's just um, catch our bearings and go to Ephesians 5, verse 15. So then, that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. 
speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Filled with spirits or the Spirit. Determining what needs to be done is a good thing. Understanding what, with clarity what you need to do next is a good thing. What your obligation or responsibility is, that's a good thing. But knowing what you have to do is only one thing. Actually doing it is another, and that's our problem. We know what we ought to do, but Paul tells us of his own struggle in Romans chapter 7, verses 15 through 25, where he says, there is a contrary law at work in him in that there are things he wants to do, but he ends up not doing. And the things he doesn't want to do, sometimes he ends up doing. And that's our problem. It's not that we don't know what to do. Most of the times we do. The problem is actually doing it. We can sometimes be hearers only and not doers. And that brings us to consider the importance of the ministry of the Holy Spirit because here in chapter 5, Paul is in the middle of a discourse in his letter to the Ephesians where he is rattling off their responsibilities in the light of their position in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's calling them to be imitators of God. He's calling husbands to love their wives. He's calling wives to submit to their husbands. He's calling children to obey their parents. He's calling workers to um, integrity and industry. He's calling employers to fairness and equity. There's many things he's asking the Ephesians to do. And it's very clear. But here in this discourse, he not only tells them what to do, he tells them how they can do it. And the filling of the Spirit is the secret to that. The Holy Spirit is the deciding factor in not only knowing what to do, but also in doing it. The Holy Spirit animates and activates the truth of God's Word in the life of the believer who He indwells. You see, He wants, um, in the immediate context here, He wants these men and women to know that it is only through the filling of the Spirit that the tyrant can be taken out of the man so that he's a loving leader, and the rebel can be taken out of the woman so that she's a submissive helpmeet. He wants them to understand that their greatest responsibility is to respond to the Holy Spirit's ability so that he might lead them and help them to love. And so while the context is that, I want to just zero in on this issue of being filled with the Spirit of God. It's so critical to all that we seek to undertake for God's glory, whether as husbands and wives or children, or whether as workers or employers. We are commanded here not to be drunk with wine, but to be filled with the Spirit of God. Let's talk for a few moments about the filling of the Spirit. I want to talk, first of all, about the exercise of spiritfulness. The exercise of spiritfulness. You and I have got to be as exercised about being filled with the Spirit of God as we are about staying sober and guarding our hearts against drunkenness. Paul exercises 
these believers, he commands them to not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but to be filled with the Spirit. He's reminding them of the strategic ministry of the Holy Spirit in terms of their marriage and in terms of their ministry and in terms of their work and their lives. They can only be followers of God if they keep in step with the Spirit. He begins here in chapter 5 and verse 1, Therefore be imitators of God, walk in love. But they can only do that if they walk in the Spirit and are filled by the Spirit, according to verse 18. He has called them from chapter 4 and verse 1 to fulfill the calling that is bound up in their conversion and position in the Lord Jesus Christ. But he reminds them that they can only fulfill that calling if they're filled full of the Holy Spirit. And so here we have this exercise to spirit fullness. There are two elements to that, what I call the matter of obedience and then the matter of obligation. First of all, the matter of obedience. This is important for us to grasp. This is not a suggestion. Paul is not saying to these um, believers at Ephesus, you know, uh, would you be filled with the Spirit? Pretty please. It's not a request of that kind. It's a weighty command. It's a, an imperative in the Greek. It's in the imperative mood. That simply means it's not a tentative suggestion. It's not a mild recommendation. It's not a polite piece of advice. This is a bold-faced command, an obligation that is squarely placed on the shoulders of the Ephesians. They have no more liberty to escape this duty than they have the ethical duties that surround the text. Just as husbands must love their wives and wives must submit to their husbands and children must obey their parents, so they must be filled with the Spirit. And we'll see the connection. They will not be able to do the one without the other. So there's this matter of obedience. By the way, this is not only an imperative mood. This um, phrase in the Greek is in the plural form. This is a plural verb. So this is a verb that is addressed to everybody. And you have the different categories. Let's just pick three of them. There are men mentioned, there are women mentioned, and there are children mentioned. And Paul is addressing the church, which is made up of adults, men and women, and children, boys and girls. And the interesting thing to me is that this command is a blanket command. It is a net that gathers them all in. What's the point? It's simply this, and it's an important one. The filling of the Holy Spirit is part and parcel of a normal expression of Christian faith and service. It's not an added extra. It's not a luxury. It is a state and it is an experience that you and I ought to be operating in all the time. This is a matter of obedience. Let me just uh, draw a thought here, which I think is interesting, because we have a negative command and we have a positive command. Did you notice it in verse 18? Here's the negative command. Do not be drunk with wine, wherein is dissipation or access. It's a term that means to go beyond the limit. Do not drink wine beyond the biblical boundaries. That is a command. It's a negative command. Then it's followed by a positive command. Be filled with the Spirit. And I've thought about this text and I've thought about my experience in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, both in the pew and behind the pulpit. And I think that 
Many churches just like our own would be profoundly shocked if a believer came in drunk as a skunk. And we would immediately go to this verse and we would get in their face and we would say, you're not to be drunk with wine and we would be right to do it. But what if a believer comes in here and they're not filled with the Holy Spirit? Is that not just as much a command as the negative one? It reminds me of our propensity to concentrate on the negative to the exclusion of the positive. Listen to these words. It is therefore just as important for you to be filled with the Spirit as for you to be sober. The vast majority of modern Christian people are utterly content to live a negative Christian life, and there is a dangerous tendency to judge a man's spirituality merely by the things he does not do, but the New Testament emphasis is altogether different. I think that's a great statement. You and I must never be satisfied that we're a dry church. That's a good thing. Not one of us should ever be drunk with wine. That would be disobedient and a violation of God's law. But just as we want to guard our sobriety, we must seek passionately to guard our spirituality. We must be filled with the Spirit. After all, you and I have lived long enough to see that no drunk has ever entered our business meetings and left the place in an uproar, but many a business meeting has been disrupted by a Christian not filled with the Spirit of God. No pastor, to my knowledge, or certainly of my association, has ever staggered into the pulpit drunk. But some of us have preached without the enablement of the Holy Spirit. So many Christians measure their Christianity by what they do not do rather than by what they do do. And I think that's a tremendous challenge here. This is a matter of obedience. It is a sin to be full of wine, and it is a sin not to be full of the Spirit. It's not only a matter of obedience. Secondly, it's a matter of obligation. Paul is exercising them to sobriety and then to fullness in the life of the Spirit. And the context is so that they might submit to one another and so that they might, as husbands and wives in their marriage, put the Lord Jesus Christ and his love for the church on display so that they might, as children, be seen to be obedient to their earthly parents just as a Christian is obedient to the heavenly parent. These are the obligation Paul talks about. And in this context, he's calling them to obedience in this matter of being filled with the Spirit because he understands that they will not be able to fulfill their obligations in a spiritual, God-glorifying manner without the help of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. It's not that you can't do anything, but you can't do anything that satisfies the heart of God. You and I must do spiritual work. There's always a danger. We find it in the church at Galatia. Having begun in the Spirit, they ended up in the flesh. They sought to do God's work some other way than God's way. And if you and I are to fulfill our obligations, if you and I are to do what God wants us to do in the way He wants us to do it, we must do it by the filling of the Holy Spirit. You see, one of the fruits of the fullness of the Holy Spirit is, verse 21, an ability to submit to one another. If we are under His 
lordship and leadership, we are much more humble and, 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 and willing to work with others in a humble way. And just as that's true generally, that will be true particularly if the wife is ever to submit to her husband, she will need to be filled by the Holy Spirit. So this is a matter of obligation. You and I need the help of the Holy Spirit. We need to be under His control, not doing our own thing. Remember some time ago reading the story of a man who was at a county fair, and he happened to notice an exhibit that was rather interesting to him. At a distance, it looked like there was this tin man who had his hand on a water pump, and he was pumping the water pump. And he was drawn to this exhibit, and as he got closer, but he, he realized that the tin man's hand was attached to a mechanical water pump. At first sight, it looked like the man was pumping the pump. But in reality, the pump was pumping the man. And, and when people look at us, I hope when they take a good look at us, they'll realize that what we're doing, another is doing it through us. Because if you really think about it, no man can love his wife like Christ loves the church. No woman would naturally submit herself to a man She's his equal, and yet here she is putting herself in a position of subordination. How does a woman do that? With joy. Children have foolishness bound up in their hearts. Yet how does a child become obedient and happy to do what mom and dad asks him to do? You'll find it is the case when you find people like that, that the Spirit of God is at work. Paul not only talks about the exercise of spiritfulness, he then goes on to talk about what I call the essence of spiritfulness. What is it? And here we're concentrated on the verb, be filled. What is spiritfulness? What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? In a day of charismatic confusion and chaos, we need to make sure we understand what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Is it, is it some kind of goose bump experience that you um, enjoy at the hands of some man who's got special powers? Is it the Christian kind of working themselves up into a spiritual lather to a point where the kind of Holy Spirit kicks in? Do we get the Holy Spirit in an installment plan? It's none of these things. The filling of the Spirit is not the same as the indwelling, the baptizing, or the sealing of the Spirit. That is momentary and permanent. This is continuous and conditional. What is it then? Well, we're given a hint, at least, in the contrast that's drawn, a contrast that's actually a comparison. There is a contrast being drawn here that's really a comparison because the filling of the Spirit in, in a way is like the effects of the intoxication of a person under wine. There is a sense in which the result of being filled by the Spirit may be compared to being intoxicated. You think that's strange, not really. In fact, on the day of Pentecost, when those early disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues and evidenced a presence of God among them, it says in Acts 2, verse 15, that many of the people watching thought that they were drunk. You see, when a person is under the influence of alcohol, they are under the control of alcohol, right? 
It takes charge of their senses. It clouds their mind. It possesses their judgment. And that really is the meaning of the word filled. It means to be under the control of. And so Paul calls us to be filled with the Spirit of God. It's a matter of obedience. It's a matter of obligation. And in its essence, it means that you come under the control of the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Greek word is pleiru. It connotes more than being filled with something, i.e. a glass being filled with water. It actually carries more the idea of coming under the control of something. In fact, it's, it's used in 2 Peter 1 verse 21 of um, the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the act of inspiration when He moved upon those prophets of old. That's our word. And it's a word in that context that kind of carries the idea of a, the seal of a ship being filled with wind and coming under the controlling direction of the wind. This is our word. And that's the challenge, folks, to you and to me. You and I ought to, on a day-by-day basis, to be under the control, influence, direction, and domination of the Spirit of God. Hey, Philip DeCourcy again. I hope you were encouraged by today's message and that it made you consider your need for Christ. If you're hearing today's message and you haven't yet accepted Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you're in the right place at the right time. I believe it's no accident you came across this message today. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you through the word of the gospel. He's calling you to faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. You'll never know when you'll feel this way again. And tomorrow isn't guaranteed. You need assurance of salvation, which comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Hear the words of Jesus in the Gospel of John, chapter 5 and verse 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. What a wonderful promise from the lips of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hear that invitation and accept that gift. Put your faith in Jesus Christ today and be assured that heaven is your home and God is your Father. And if you're ready to follow him and would like some guidance, we'd be honored to pray with you. We'd be honored to help you. You can reach out to us at Know the Truth by calling 888-644-8811 or by emailing us at info at ktt.org. We'll talk with you, pray with you, and get you set up with some really great resources to help guide you in your new journey of faith and life in Jesus Christ. And if you don't think you're ready or you have some unanswered questions, we'd be happy to help you and talk those issues through with you and provide you with some helpful resources for your questions. Just give us a call at 888-644-8811 or email us at info at ktt.org. Thanks, Philip. I'll give the phone number again, 888-644-8811 or email us, info at ktt.org. 
And if you'd like to help us in this work of sharing the gospel with others, give a gift of any amount today. And when you do, you'll receive the book, A Dozen Things God Did With Your Sin and Three Things He'll Never Do by Sam Storms. This encouraging book calls readers to focus on the cross and remember that Christ has defeated our sins once and for all. So, if you or a friend could use some encouragement in your personal life or ministry, request this book today. And just a reminder, today is the last day it's available, so call now. That's 888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org. And if you're new to Know the Truth, welcome. We want to give you a free copy of Philip's new devotional booklet titled Resting in God's Faithfulness just for reaching out to us. Request your copy online at ktt.org or call 888-644-8811. And before we go, if you'd like to stay up to date on all things Know the Truth, be sure to connect with us in our social media channels. Just search for Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter and click follow. This is Wayne Shepherd. Join us again next time for more convicting and encouraging Bible teaching from Philip DeCourcy. That'll be next time right here on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free.